Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. I believe that the Lord is doing something great here at Christ Uncensored. I was talking to your pastor the other day. I said, let me know what's happening at the church. He's talking about how the presence of the Lord has been so mighty and so powerful here among you. How many believe that God wants to do something greater than you see now? And he he just talked about how God was moving, kind of a fresh wind here. And I felt like the Lord dropped the word in my spirit today. And so I want to share this with you today. Here's the title of my message, Positioned for Greater. I want somebody to say it out loud. You can do a little better than that. You'd do better if you was at a ball game. Say it out loud. Positioned for greater. Let me take you to the text today. I believe I come with a word from the Lord for everyone. Now, some of it's going to make you happy and shout, and some of it's going to make you turn the light into your own heart. The word of God is alive, and it is powerful. It has power to transform our lives. Let me take you to the text, Isaiah 54, just three verses. It says, sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. And then he gets into the instruction for the church. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nation. Say amen out loud. And make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Walk with me for just a little bit here because I love this text and let's look at the setting. Always it's good to put the text into context. The Hebrew people were returning from being held captive for about 70 years. They were coming back to their homeland. The enemy had invaded their land and had invaded their lives. Jerusalem, their beloved city was in ruins. And they were, as the prophet said, like a barren woman, they were fruitless. But they did not get to this desolate, barren place because God failed them. I said they didn't get there because God failed them. If you ever feel like God is distant, he's not the one who moved. They had put their worship of God on hold. They had minimized God and maximized themselves. They made compromises with the culture. Let me tell you, ships don't sink because of the water around them. Ships sink when what's around them gets in them. They had compromised with the culture. I don't have to tell you today that our culture is way off track, ungodly at every turn, And we've got to be careful that what's around us doesn't get in us. But that what's in us affects them. I thought, let me just, how many have ever went to a restaurant and ordered snapper or uh, halibut or tuna? Anybody ever order fish out? Yeah, two of you. (laughs) Um, Have you noticed that 
that fish that are in the salt water, when they fillet them and put them on your plate, they're not salty. They're surrounded by salt water, but yet the fillet is not salty. Why is that? How is that? Because God has insulated them from the salty culture around them. I believe God has given us the power to stay pure in an impure world. And the impurity that is in the world does not have to infect our lives. Oh, I come to talk to somebody. And as a result, the enemy had invaded their lives, took possession of their land. And now God's people, oh, they were not in revival. They were in survival. They were spiritually dry. And they felt like nothing was ever going to change. But that was not the end of their story. And it's not the end of your story. God gives them an on-time word. Sends a prophet. Because I'll tell you, one word from God can change your life forever. Amen to that. It's a prophetic word in Isaiah 54. And God is saying, this is your appointed time. This is your season for breakthrough. Something greater. Somebody say something greater. Something greater is on the horizon. Things are not always going to look like they look now. That is exactly what God was speaking to them. God was promising to take them to a whole new level. He was saying a shift is about to happen. You're going to come out of this dry, barren place into a fruitful place. I know you can't see it right now. I, he said, I know you don't understand it right now and you can't connect all the dots right now. You can't wrap your mind around it. But I hate to coin an old tired phrase, but your present situation is not your final destination. He's saying the blessing in front of you is greater than the calamity behind you. None of this God is saying is for your gain or for your glory. Anything God does in the church is not to prop you up or prop me up. Everything God does in the church is for the praise of his name. It's for the praise of Jesus' name. And the prophet then gives them some instructions. Now I know everybody likes verse 3. Let me pull it up. Was it up on the big screen? Uh, verse number 3. There you go. You shall expand to the right and to the left. Say amen out loud. He says, uh, your descendants will inherit nations. Say amen. amen. You're going to make desolate places inhabited. Say amen to that. Amen. How many like verse 3? It says, breakthrough's coming. Well, God says, okay, here's what I'm promising you, but you need to change your position. If you want to see what I'm going to do, he says, change your position. Let me just share this with you, everybody. If you don't make any adjustments to your spiritual life, I said, if you don't make any adjustments to your spiritual life, you are destined to be the same person next year at this time as you are today. He's calling his people to get into a position. Pastor Rolando, I love you, brother and Lisa, and I love your church. And so I, I could bring some message that would make people shout more and trip out, you know. And there may be some places where you say amen. But I believe if you will hear the word of the Lord today, it has the power to take Christ uncensored to a whole new level. Not just a church collectively, but you individually. Are we together? So he's calling his people. How many want to experience the greater? Shout amen out loud. He says, well, if you want to see the greater, you've got to get into position. There are some things that are going to be required of you. 
So get ready, this is about to get deep. And the first thing he says, if you go back to verse number one, the first thing he says, sing. Somebody shout sing. In other words, release your praise. I'm sure they're like, what? God is saying it's time to turn your pain into praise. It's time to worship. How many ever get to a place you just don't feel like worshiping? Anybody ever not feel like it? Yeah. So there's times I don't feel like worshiping, but my, my wife says, you got to go to church, you're the pastor. <laughs> Everything they saw around them, their beloved city lying in ruins, and here comes a word from God, and he says, sing, and I'm sure they're thinking, we got nothing to sing about. He says, it's time to worship, and it's time to worship with everything you've got. Why? Because worship creates an atmosphere for God to work. The Bible says God inhabits. Somebody say inhabits. He inhabits the praises of his people. Worship creates an atmosphere, hallelujah, for God to work. When this worship team is up here, they're not just a band playing songs and singers singing lyrics. No, there's something supernatural about praise and worship. It welcomes the presence of God into the wounded places of your soul. It creates an atmosphere so when people come in broken and beaten and battered and bruised, they feel something. And what they feel is not emotional. They feel God is in this place. People go to church for three reasons. See something, hear something, and feel something. You can see something in any church, hear something in any church. You're only gonna feel God where there's an anointed word and an anointed worship. Worship welcomes the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in your life. It doesn't mean you're not hurting. There's no pain. It doesn't mean there's no struggle. It just means you know the power of his presence. Hallelujah. You see, I, I, God taught me this little equation, Pastor, years ago. Praise brings presence. Presence <laughs> brings joy, and joy brings strength. What are you talking about? God inhabits the praises of his people. That means his presence is in the midst of our worship. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord is my so if you need strength start with praise he says sing why something greater is coming sing God will fulfill his promise sing because God will show himself strong on your behalf I, I thought about this just yesterday or the day before he says sing you may say, I don't know if I have a reason to sing maybe you don't know what came before 54 what comes before 54? This is sharp. This is smart church right here. Hey, I knew I love coming here. He, he comes out of chapter 53. Do you remember what he talked about in chapter 53? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. I don't care what you're going through. There's a reason to sing because the healer died for me. If you need to get out of the funk you're in, you just need to know that Jesus paid it all. He forgives every sin and heals you everywhere you hurt. If you want to get positioned for the greater, it's time to sing. Somebody say sing. 
And it goes deeper than just singing. What he's really talking about is a Christ-encountering worship. Hallelujah to God. If you want to get positioned for the greater, maybe a greater service to the Lord, greater ministry, greater marriage, greater, greater character, greater personal walk with God, take your worship to another level. Amen, somebody. After he says sing, then he goes, he says, now what does he say in verse number two? Put verse number two up, if you will. Verse number two, he says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch. Stretch out the curtain. Somebody say stretch. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing is to sing. Number two is to stretch. What's he talking about? He's talking about the growth of his church. That's exactly what he's talking about. Somebody say stretch. See, the, he said, now leave that up there. Look at this pastor. He said, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the tent of the congregation where the Jewish people gathered for worship. Funny thing, though, it was only for the Jewish people. He says, get ready, because I'm about to blow this thing wide open. He says, get ready. He said, sing. And then he says, you better enlarge the place. Here. Hear the word of the Lord. He said, you better enlarge the place, because... Where you're gathering, and it's only for the Jews only now, I'm about to bring people in you're not comfortable with. I'm, they didn't know that yet, but he's about to bring the Gentiles in. Thank God for this verse, because now it includes you and me. He says, I want you to stretch, because I'm going to bring people in that you're not going to want here. I'm going to bring people in that you're not comfortable with. I'm going to challenge you today to stretch your capacity to love. Church folk always say, we want everyone to come till they come. It's time to stretch the curtain and reach people that you might not be comfortable with, but they're people Jesus died for. See, the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus includes everyone and excludes no one. Jesus got up close and personal with those the religious crowd had pushed away. He ate and drank with sinners, tax collectors. Oh man, they were some bad dudes. You, you know how tax collectors made their money? Well, if you owed Rome $100, they'd scam you out of 200. They'd lie to you and cheat to you. They'd pay Caesar the 100 and pocket the other 100. How many know they didn't get invited to too many birthday parties? When Jesus had dinner with those people, the religious crowd lost their collective minds. You should have seen the hate I got on social media from Christians when I took a picture with shaking hands with the New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. He actually, y'all getting quiet too. And he, 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 <laughs> so he came to our, our church, came to Fountain of Life. Because his son plays soccer on a team that plays against our school. And here he was standing all by himself. Governor Phil Murphy, New Jersey. And so I walked over to him and said, can I shake your hand, Governor? He said, yes. And so we began to have a conversation. And I told him, I said, sir, with all you have to do, I want to applaud you for being here at your son's game. And we talked together a little bit. And I said, you mind if I take a picture with you? So we took a picture and I put it up on social media. And you should have seen the holy people come out. <laughs> Do Christians have claws? You should have seen. And some people said, 
a pastor shaking hands with an abortion on demand governor. Shameful. Shameful. Had a preacher come at me with both barrels. How I shouldn't be talking with this kind of person. Let me tell you something. If that is Christianity, hate the other side. If that's evangelicalism, hate the other side because somebody has a different political view, cancel my membership. Never forget, Jesus was a brown-skinned healer who empowered women, destroyed religious systems, loved the rejected, fed the hungry, welcomed the foreigner, opposed our fascinations with power, and he flipped the table. He flipped the tables of oppression. Oh, bless God. Stretch yourself. He loved people that had a whole different lifestyle. If Jesus was here today, he'd love the people that Christians hate. No wonder people that are gay don't come into the church. Do you know what gay people, do you know the gay community, LGBTQ? Do you know what their opinion is? If you ask them, what do you think about Christians? Their first and number one answer is they hate gays. No wonder. No wonder. I'll tell you what. We all want everybody to come until they come. God loves. God loves the gay person. And God loves the foreigner. You don't have to have a green card for Jesus to love you. And if we, I'm telling you, the church has got to learn to stretch Somebody say stretch. stretch. I had a young girl come in my church in White Plains with a sleeve of tattoos. And she said, can I come here? I said, yes. Why? She says, they kicked me out of my last church because I had too many tattoos. Listen, God says, I'm about to bring something greater than you've ever seen. And everybody shouts at that. We're breaking forth to the left and the right. We're going to inhabit desolate places. Hallelujah. Love people not like you. Mm. We all love verse 3. But the Lord says, sing when everything looks like it's coming off the hinges. Sing when the wheels come off the chariot. Sing when your life has gone up in flames. Sing when you've gone bankrupt. Sing after you've been divorced. Sing after a child died. I know it doesn't look like it's going to change, but if you'll worship and create an atmosphere for me to work, I'll work in your life. I'll work in the church. Kuhau, stretch yourself and love the people Jesus loved. Amen. Stretch yourself to love and I don't want to spend all day here. Stretch yourself to serve too, will you? There's a consumer mentality that's crept into the church. We church treat church like the mall. I'm going to go get my stuff. I don't know where you went to get that jacket. But I like to know. But I like mine better. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know how it is, you know, Pastor. You go into the ball, you go get the shoes, you get the jacket, you go. A lot of people treat church like the mall with a consumer mentality. I'm going to go get my blessing. I'm going to go get my word. I'm <laughs> going to go get my worship on and then just go on home. Consumer mentality is done with now. See, the, the church is famous for feed me, 
fix me, heal me. God's looking for people that'll get in line in front of the pastors and say, Pastor, equip me, train me, use me. You ought to clap louder than that. Instead of feed me, fix me, heal me, pastor, equip me, train me, use me. Amen. God wants to use you in ways you've never thought possible. But you got to stretch yourself. And stretching is never comfortable. Growth and comfort never did coexist. If you're on Twitter, you might want to tweet that. I said growth and comfort never did coexist. The breakthrough is not in the comfortable place. It's in the stretching place. The enemy has tried to convince you you don't have what it takes. The devil is a lie. God sent me here today to tell you the only lid on your life is the one you choose to put on it. Stretch your love for others. Stretch your service. Stretch your faith. Believe God for some greater things. What would have ever happened to the widow who had a son and she was going to make her last cake when the prophet showed up and said, fetch me some water. Watch this. Fetch me some water. Read the story in 1 Kings 17. Fetch me some water. She took right off to get him some water. And by the way, do something a little harder. Make me a cake. Whoa! Whoa! She did the easy. But then the prophet called her to do the difficult. Anybody here can do the easy. She went and got some water. That was easy. Make me a cake. She said, you don't understand. I got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil left in this barrel. I'm going to make it. The Bible said she had two sticks. She was so poor. She had a poor fire. And she, <laughs> it's a bad joke. <laughs> Even her fire was poor. <laughs> Amen. Uh, she said, we're going to eat the cake and then we're going to die. She said, make me a cake first. She did it and you know the end of the story. She had to stretch her faith to take the last of what she had and put it in the prophet's hand. You do the difficult, God will do the impossible. If the widow never stretched her faith, her and her son would have ate that last cake and died like others were dying in the famine. Stretch your capacity to love. Stretch your willingness to serve. Anybody ever play blocks when you were a kid? <laughs> Let me show you. You remember when you put, I used to play blocks too. I mean, we couldn't afford anything else. We, we, we had a block, we was poor, we were so poor we couldn't pay attention. You'll get that about 6 p.m. tonight. You ever notice if you have one block here and you start to build a tower? Right about here, what happens? Because you can only build the tower so big on one block. But what happens if we put a block here and 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 a block here? The tower soars. Pastor Rolando is one block. Don't expect the church to expand to the left and expand to the right. And I know there's more than you and Lisa. I know there's a great serve team here. But what would happen if everybody was a block? Yeah. Hey! What? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a block. 
Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a blockhead. No, don't say that. Pastor, what would happen if everybody saw themselves as a block and God began to build because God needs something to build on? Stretch your faith. Stretch your capacity to love. Stretch your service and stretch your vision. Don't you dare ever think what you can see now in your life or in this church is all there is. God is a God of no limits and no boundaries. Somebody say sing. Somebody say stretch. What's the rest of verse number two? Do not spare. Say it out loud. Can I illustrate this? You know what spare means, right? Do not spare. If you go sparingly, that means you give a, a you give a little. Yeah, yeah. You know why I love this brother? He said, what do you need? I said, Gatorade. I ain't never seen a bottle of Gatorade that big in my life. I buy the little bottles, you know, them little ones about like that there. Look what he, and I like orange. I love orange. Amen. Amen. I used to work at McDonald's when the chicken nuggets came out, and I used to get six nuggets and a big orange drink. Told you how old I am. I, I wonder. Thank you, brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, I see what you're doing. So now, he said, here's your Gatorade. I go, what? That's all you're giving me? This is what you're giving me? I'm thirsty. I'm already sweating up here. These hot lights. <laughs> Making me feel important with all these lights. This is what you're giving me? But that's not what he gave me. He gave me this. Sad, kind of. This is what we give the Lord. Little bit of worship. Little bit of tithe. Well, little bit of offering. Little bit of service. I'll help you. We, do you know what we did in our church? We eradicated the word volunteer. I hate the word Volunteer. Do we, I knew I loved you, man. I knew I loved you. Because volunteer says, I'll help you out if I get a chance. If it fits my schedule, I'll pitch in a little bit. No, we have served teams. Amen. And we give God a little bit of worship and a little bit of money after, you know, after we go to Disney. Somebody better get me out of here. We give them a little bit of service. But I'm telling you that if you really want to break forth to the left and to the right, the time for a little bit of God is over. The time for a little bit of church, a little bit of worship, a little bit of offering is over. Don't ever settle for a little bit of God. He's too big for that. I said, God's too big for that. He says, spare nothing. Billy Graham said, if God is worth anything, he's worth everything. If you want to break out, stop giving God a little bit of your time, a, a little bit of word, and a little bit of prayer, a, a little bit of offering, a little bit of worship. Do you know that the average church attendance in a month for a Christian is less than two times a month right now? 
because kids got soccer and they got cheerleading and uh, we got to go to camp and, uh, and to the RV and out to the campground. And, and no, no, no. It's not t- right now in the day we're living in. It's time to spare nothing. Give God all you got. Amen. I think I'll pour me some more. Sing. Somebody say sing. In other words, take your worship to another level. Stretch. Somebody say stretch. Somebody say spare nothing. If there was ever a time to go all in for God, it's now. Let me give you the last one. I'll get out of your way. By the way, if you want something you've never had before, it's time to do something you've never done before. I said if you want something you've never had before, it's time to start doing something you have never done before. Start, go ahead and take a leap and tithe. Go ahead and join a serve team. Amen. Finally, he said, strengthen the stakes. Stretch the curtain. Love the people Jesus loved. Stretch the curtain. Sing, stretch, don't spare. Lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes. Walk with me. Why this? Because the bigger the tent, the stronger the stakes have to be. Hmm. Help me, brother. Where's John? So I brought some things with me to illustrate. Can you come up here, brother? Hold this microphone for me. Uh, anybody ever go camping? I know we're in New York. Wait, I got to take, hold, let me take my glasses off. How many ever slept in a tent? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of you. Ten! <laughs> let me tell you what a tent is. Maybe this is the wrong illustration in New York. But does everybody at least know what a tent is? How many, you've seen a small tent? Seen big tents? Open the bag, if you will, please. See, the bigger the tent, the stronger the stakes need to be. Now, if you have a little, if you have a little two-man tent, these little stakes will do just fine. You know, when you, when you put up a tent, you, you've got some, I'm going to make this simple for these city people. When you put up a tent, you've got some cords coming off of it. I'm in South Jersey. We know what tents are. I forgot I left New York 10 years ago. You put some cords and you wrap them around the stake here, see. And then you take a hammer and you pound the stake in the ground. Boom, 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 boom. Thank you. And you, you take the other stake on the other end of the tent. Bam. Now, these two stakes will anchor a two-man tent. But if God gives you a a 50-man tent, 
eat a bigger steak. Why? Where's those steaks? Because, because if you think that these little steaks, if you think God can stretch the tent of Kuhal and you don't strengthen your steaks, don't think that what anchors you now will anchor a church of 200 or 300 or 400. If your tent is enlarged and you don't strengthen the stakes, when the strong winds come, will blow your tent down. You can't be a mile wide and an inch deep. The larger your church grows, the more she must fortify herself against error, compromise, and the attacks of the evil one. Higher levels just bring higher devils. And as God gives you more influence, enlarges your territory, stretches the curtain of Christ uncensored, your stakes have to be strengthened. This won't do it, brother. A 50-man tent's going to need a big stake. So when the winds of adversity come, and the winds of compromise come, and the winds of political correctness come, you better have your life anchored, and you're going to need bigger stakes than you got today. Amen. Leave right up here, brother. The winds of false doctrine are blowing. Hear me now. This isn't all big shouting time. Hear me close. The winds of false doctrine are blowing. And there are deconstructionists everywhere that want to deconstruct the gospel. Winds of persecution are blowing. The winds of compromise are blowing. And there will come a time when you will have to choose between being politically correct or biblically correct. So what stake's got to be strengthened? Strengthen the stake of the word of God in your life. Amen. Amen. One of the greatest plagues, pastor, to hit the church today is biblical illiteracy. We've got to know what we believe and why we believe it. The Bible wasn't given just for information, but transformation. There are no replacements for long, slow looks at the Word of God. It will wonderfully infect your thinking. In a culture that is growing darker and more chaotic every day, a standard of truth is needed. I preached on sexuality in the church a couple weeks ago. Somebody said, well, we never talked about that in my church. Maybe that's why so many people's lives go off the rails when it comes to sex. You got quiet there. Well, how are you supposed to know God's plan for healthy sexuality if you don't look in the Word of God? Then you got Christians who are ready to point their finger at the prostitute for selling sex, and they're giving it away. Can I keep going for a minute here? So we got Christians sleeping together, you know, shacked up. Do they still say shacked up together? Maybe not because they're rebellious. They just don't know. What does the Bible say? 
But not only that, but and sexuality is not dirty, it's not shameful. And then I started into, it's a wonderful, beautiful, glorious, magnificent gift from God. And I said, oh no, he looks like he likes it. I said, hey, we're empty nesters now. We got nothing else to do. My wife was watching online, and when I got home, she says, I think you crossed the line. <laughs> Don't worry so much about reading the Bible through. The goal is not for you to get through the Bible, but the goal is to get the Bible through you. So when the storms of life blow, the power of positive thinking will not sustain you. Humanistic thinking will not help you. The philosophies of men will fade, but my word shall not fade away, says the Lord. The Bible says grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of the truth. Strengthen the stakes. How are you going to know how to lead somebody to Jesus if you just don't know it yourself? You're okay with these when you're small. But you better anchor your life when God begins to expand your influence. And not just the church, but your individual life. Your individual life. When God begins to put you into new places of ministry. Come on now. When he puts you in new territory. Gives you more influence. You get the promotion at work. And God expands the tent of your life. Strengthen your stakes. Or when temptation comes. Your tent can blow down. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. I got to get out of here. What, is my time run out yet? Yeah, okay. So. Strengthen the stake of prayer. I told you about that time that girl walked in my office and said, I want you. Did I tell you that? Yeah, yeah. We, we had, when I was upstate New York in Medina, we used the women inmates from the Albion Correctional Facility to uh, clean our building. We used them for several years, and surprisingly, none of them ever hit on me. I mean, you know. I, but one day, one of them did. Opened my door. We had no windows on the office door back then. Opened my door and said, I want you. She looked good, too. I said, she, the devil will never tempt you with an ugly woman. Her name was Mitchell. I said, you better get out of my office, Mitchell. She walked right over to, walked right over to me and said things to me I would not say in church. I said, you better get out of here, Mitchell. And uh, she wouldn't. She finally walked over to the door. I literally opened the door, pushed her out, locked the door, called the correctional officer, said, Gum, get this crazy, cray-cray woman. But I went home with some swag. I still got it. I said, baby, guess what happened to me today? I told her the whole story. 
She looked at me and said, she just been locked up too long. Yeah! My ego was deflated. Good thing. Good thing. I wasn't, my life wasn't anchored with this. My influence was growing. Church was exploding. Good thing my life wasn't anchored with this. Strengthen the stakes of the word of God. It'll teach you what's right and it'll teach you what's wrong. It'll protect you when temptation blows into your life like a hurricane. Strengthen the stake of prayer. I'm wrapping up. Saying grace at the dinner table is good. Bedtime prayers are commendable. But they will not equip you to stand when the storms of life come at you. I wonder if Peter had prayed in the garden instead of going to sleep. If he might have been able to stand up when the girl said, you're one of those followers of Jesus, aren't you? I wonder if he would not have followed so much at a distance. You might not have ever read that verse. It's a small little line in Matthew's that said, Peter followed him at a distance. That's what's wrong with too many people today. We follow him at a distance and tempt. <laughs> temptation gets in between God and us. Strengthen the stake of prayer. It's time for us to be the men and women of God. And when our feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, oh, no, she's up. <laughs> Go ahead and touch them keys for me, brother. <laughs> Strengthen the stake of the word of God. Usually when you talk about the Bible and prayer, people don't get too excited. But if God's going to stretch the curtain of your house, if he's going to stretch the curtain of your life and instead of stocking the shelves at Walmart, they make you the manager. Something about having influence, we think we're entitled. You better strengthen the stake of the word of God. You better strengthen the stake of prayer. You've got to strengthen the stake of your relationships. Stop thinking that being a Christian is a solo act. God saved us and he put us in a community with other people. What are we going to do when the winds of adversity blow and there's nobody to talk to? What are we going to do when we're tempted and there's nobody to help us sort through our feelings? What are we going to do when we're running a mile a minute and there's nobody there to say, slow down? Let's pray. You have nobody close to you to say, you're going down a wrong road, brother. And if that's the case, your tent is in danger of collapse. I told you my philosophy on dating before I think. I don't know. If I didn't, I'll tell you now. Run as fast as you can towards God, and if somebody can keep up, introduce yourself. You want to hear a little bit more? I'm not even going to charge you for this. When you're dating somebody that's not, uh, when you're dating somebody, I, I don't care if they're a believer or not. Believe patterns, not apologies. Don't fall in love with potential. Take red flags serious. Know your worth. Don't lower your standards. Focus on God. 
a spiritually unhealthy man should be seen as a warning sign, not a project. Everyone in your life can't get you to where you're going. You need to hear me say that again. Everybody in your life can't get you to where you're going. And those who are friends to your weakness are enemies to your greatness. We need somebody, Pastor, that can have the hard conversations with us. Tell us not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Iron sharpens iron. And iron can't sharpen iron from a distance. You got a grate against each other. That's how iron gets sharpened. I have no doubt God wants to stretch the curtains of Kuhel. But he's calling you to sing when you don't feel like singing. Calling you to stretch yourself. Calling you to spare nothing. <laughs> Give it all. Give it all. It's time for all in Christianity. He said strengthen the stakes now because I'm going to increase your influence it may not be numbers it may be numbers but he will increase your influence individually collectively and when he does that be careful that you don't follow from a distance strengthen the stakes of the word of God strengthen the stake of prayer now my name lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep won't do it when temptation blows into your life strengthen the stakes of relationships in your life and strengthen the stake of character. You remember, let me finish. You know, remember, remember uh, Saul? Remember Saul? His tent collapsed. Saul was the king. He disobeyed God. Don't have time to tell you the story. He flagrantly, arrogantly disobeyed God. And God took his kingship and gave it to another man after his own heart. Saul's tent collapsed because he. Samuel, the prophet, was to come and do the sacrifice. Saul, in his arrogance, slayed the animal and made the sacrifice. And Saul's tent collapsed because he didn't strengthen the stakes. He was living his life on this. And he needed to strengthen his life with this. Samson. Remember Samson? The Spirit of God moved on him mightily until he put his head in Delilah's lap. One too many times. God raised Samson. God raised Saul for greatness. But they did not strengthen the stakes. He blessed them. He enlarged their territory. But they did not strengthen the stake of character and integrity. And their tent collapsed. That does not have to happen to you. For you shall expand to the right, verse 3, and to the left. The Lord is saying to you, I'm going to expand your influence. Stretch the curtain. You will inherit the nations. Desolate places will become inhabited. But I'm calling you to sing. Calling you to stretch. 
calling you to spare nothing. Give me your all, says the Lord. And for Christ's sake, and for your sake, strengthen the stakes. And I, the Lord says, will expand my kingdom using you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.